Yeah, so um, I was wondering what inspired you to start this, uh, what start the channel and to start the page? What, what was it that brought it to the forefront that made you do it? Well, I've been training martial arts for about 24 years now. And over the years that I've been training, you know, you see nonsense here and there and things like that. But what really made it come about was a conversation I had with a student. Um, at the time, I was like a two-stripe blue belt or something like that. And I was a uh, assistant at the facility that I was training and coaching at. I was in charge of all their kids' programs, after-school programs, um, you know, summer camps. And I was also in charge of teaching their kids' classes. So I took care of that side of things there. But I was also their striking coach for their MMA program. And I trained a lot. Well, I was working the front desk one day. And the owner had called me in and he was like, hey, man, I'm sick. I don't feel very well. Could you take over this class for me? And it was real basic. He was like, just teach like an arm bar, triangle choke and the transition between the two. Then for the rest of the class, let him spar. And I was like, yeah, for sure. I could do that. So I did that. And then as soon as that was done, because it was a noon class, most of those guys either worked for themselves or worked from home. So we were just kind of all shooting the shit and talking about martial arts. And the subject of McDojo's came up. And so we talked about that for a while, but there was a guy in the class and it was his only second official martial arts class ever. And so when he was there, um, he kind of was listening to the conversation and then everyone left, but he stayed behind and he pulled me back and he was like, hey, man, you know, it's a little weird to say, but I don't know what a McDojo is. And I go, oh, OK. So I explained to him what has now kind of become the basis for the five rules of the page. And then he goes, uh, why doesn't anybody do anything about that? And I thought about it and I was like, that's a really, really good question because there is no regulating body to the martial arts industry. It just doesn't exist. And so I thought about it all night and I couldn't stop thinking about it. I actually had a hard time sleeping because that was a solid question, a really basic question, but yeah, no yeah. one seemed to be really asking. And so the next day I started to make Dojo Life on Facebook and then it's just kind of grown from there. Perfect. So that's, that's just a, a simple way of how it started. Um, when you, I would think in this day and age with the internet and stuff like that, that this stuff would have kind of just disappeared, you know, because they would be called out. I would have thought years ago it would be more prevalent due to you know, secrecy and not you know, not being around. Like, do you ever get backlash from people when you call them out, when you've, when you've shared their stuff? Oh, yeah. <laughs> All the time. Like, uh, there was a time, and it hasn't happened in a while. I think my page has gotten much bigger now. So I think people are aware of how I handle these situations. But, um, you know, there was a time where I was getting like a death threat, like every other week, like there were people who were just who were upset that I was calling out their instructors. The instructors typically aren't the ones that have the issue. The instructors usually are more quiet. But I, you know, I have like guys like Edon Albonik, who teaches something called Kala. He actually shot a student. He literally shot a student wow. doing disarms with live firearms. And his students are and he still does this, by the way, there is documentation of him doing this even after he shot a student still doing disarms with live firearms. So he didn't learn his lesson. Then I call this dude out and all I say are all the facts. I literally say this guy shot a student. He admits it. I literally tell people, hey, he got kicked off of a firing range for doing illegal things. He admits that. I tell people that he, uh, you know, he's abusing his students. He admits that. I tell people like, and when by abuse, he thinks it's hard training. But I mean, when you're taking like a 110 pound woman, you're smacking her around in the face and then you're expecting her to learn how to defend herself through abuse. That's just not how that works. But then, you know, you also have things like him not showing up to martial arts seminars where he had gotten money ahead of time and then refuses to pay people back. 
which, by the way, constitutes as fraud. And so you have all these facts that he admits to, and yet his students 100% still back him. So that's how you know it's a cult, is when you show this cognitive dissonance of, hey, look, these are the facts, and then people still defend that, that's a cult. Isn't it similar to, uh, not to go off topic so much, but is it not slightly similar to the uh, the situation that happened earlier this year with the Diego Sanchez's um, training partner from the School of Self-Awareness? Yeah, that uh, dude's a turd. Uh, Joshua yeah. Fabia is definitely yes, yeah. a cult what I would consider a cult leader anyway, he obviously, and just so you know, my definition of what a cult leader would be in these situations is you have martial arts instructors who have high standards, and then you have martial arts instructors who only want what's best for themselves. And that's a cult. When they tell you, you can't do this and you can't, for instance, one of the, one of the things like, I'm sure that baby probably does, but I, I, I'm not sure I can't vouch for this hundred percent, but you know, when he's hanging Diego Sanchez upside down and he's just punching and kicking him in the head yeah. and there's no, absolutely no backing medically that that is going to help you. Um, then he's just making shit up and he's only doing it to make himself seem good because he could have like, he has other students, right? So he could have put other students in the spotlight, but he doesn't, he's always in the spotlight or whenever they do interviews, uh, Diego Sanchez will have really well put together thoughts and respectable ways of speaking to people. And then uh, Fabio would interject himself into those conversations and make the conversations about himself. Luckily now, um, thank God, because I like Diego. I think Diego's fucking awesome. He's a legend in the sport. Um, but at the end of the day, you have to admit that he didn't get his retirement fight specifically because of Joshua Fabia. You know, he didn't get that, like, get to ride out on his shield like I know he wanted to because Fabia fucked up the rest of his career. Now, you can't take away from some of the responsibility that Diego has in the situation, which is allowing himself to be taken advantage of by a cult leader. But at the same time, how do we victim blame? (laughs) Like, are we going to continue to victim blame here? Because I feel like he's been taken advantage of by a very good cult leader, a very good con man who met him at a time in his life which is documented, by the way, where Diego was having a really hard time. He was going through a divorce. He was leaving his training camp that he was at, which may or may not also have something to do with Fabia. But Fabia took advantage of that and made him think that the world was against him. The world wasn't against Diego, and it never has been. The world is against Joshua Fabia because he's a five foot two turd. Um, And so hopefully at the end of the day, he doesn't keep taking advantage of people. But unfortunately, gurus like this will always do that because they'll be more confident than the victims. Yeah. Uh, that's what I mean. Even in the interview with um, example of that, the interview that Fabio had later on, I think the day after, I think um, after Sanchez had finally cut ties with um, um, Fabio, the, the interview that Fabio did with the, is it the guys are from Canada or the lady had an Australian accent, but they're from somewhere in North America. The guy, I think, just completely slagged off and just um, uh, threw um, Sanchez under the bus, basically. Yeah, her name is Helena. Helena, yeah, so something like uh, that. Yeah. Summer Helene. Sorry, it's Summer Helene. I was actually on her show as well. But when it comes down to like that particular interview, he took every opportunity, like you said, to literally talk shit about Diego the day after they seem to make a split. It's like, dude, 
The only reason that that dude was even relevant at all was because of Diego. And if you've noticed now that they've split, you haven't really heard shit about Fabia. It's because Fabia was riding coattails and that was who he attached his fucking heart, his horse to. And then all of a sudden he was like, you know what? Now that Diego has seen the light, I guess, and got rid of this leech. Now Diego has gone on, you know, people again are backing Diego. Nobody's talking shit about Diego and they never really have. Everybody was always talking about Fabia. And uh, I'm glad that he was able to get rid of that dude. So now hopefully he can go on, have maybe a retirement fight if that's what he chooses to do with his life and be away from somebody who's quite literally a leech. Um, you know, I fucking fight Fabia for free. I... Yeah, it was qu- it was quite disgusting. It was quite disgusting what he'd done with he, the only fans and stuff that he set up. It was it was you took you took advantage of a vulnerable person. And then once the split came, as you said, you started earning their dirty laundry, like the stuff that personal stuff, you don't do that. Like no. when it, when two people break up in a relationship, they don't, unless it's a toxic relationship, you don't really do that. It just shows what kind of person he is. So is that the type of people, like, do these cult leaders, do they seek out people like this? Well, I mean, so we did a documentary. We actually finished filming it about fakes, frauds, phonies, and con men and pedophiles in the martial arts industry. And while we were doing the documentary, one of the things that was important to us was to understand the psychology, not only just behind the cult leaders, but the followers, because, you know, obviously some of the things that I post are really outlandish and they're so far out there that people think they're staged. Unfortunately, they're not. But the thing is, is that that's how crazy it looks to an outside person. So how would a sane person in their right mind go along with this and the psychologists really broke it down well, and they said a couple things. One, uh, which was shocking to me, the psychologists, both of them, told us that the people who are most likely to fall victim of cults have three specific things that usually are going for them. The first one is they're very, they have expendable income, right? So people who are broke can't afford to pay cult leaders, so they don't join the cult, if that makes sense. They can't afford it. And so these people are well-to-do. And if you look at an example, Wild Wild Country on Netflix, they built an entire town around a cult. We're talking lawyers and doctors and engineers. These are not stupid people, which brings you to the second. The second is most people who fall victim of cults are actually highly educated. You would not think that, but what happens is just like the money thing, right? You'd be like, why would people spend their money on that? Because they have it. <laughs> but then you talk about people who are well-educated. They spent their entire life having a teacher from the time they were a little kid all the way until the time that they're full-grown middle-aged adults. We're talking doctors, lawyers, things like that, right? So they spent their entire life going through school and then all of a sudden it just stops. That would be very difficult for any of us to do if we had something that we had a passion for. And some people have a true passion for learning and developing themselves. And so what happens is after they get those degrees and after they're done with school, they start working on themselves, They start going to self-help seminars. They start going to business seminars. They start going to gurus to try to develop themselves. And so sometimes you have these gurus that come along in the right moment in your life, and they're looking for people who are vulnerable. We could all, this is a fact, any of us, any one of us could fall victim of a cult, any of us. It just depends on the right time and the right moment in your life and the right person to come along and fill in that hole that you desperately need filled in that moment. The last of the three, by the way, so so far we talked about most people have money, 
Most people are well-educated. And then the last one, which is going to be a shocker, people who think that they can't fall victim of cults are most likely to fall victim of cults. And I'll explain that as well. And how it was explained to me was the people who think that they can't fall victim of cults are actually wide open because they think they're smarter than other people who spend their entire life taking advantage of people. And so imagine, imagine if you thought you couldn't burn your hand on a hot stove. Well, if you don't think you can burn your hand on a hot stove, you might fuck around with it and start touching it because guess what? You don't think you're going to get burned. You will, but guess what? You didn't think you could. Same thing with people who do really stupid shit, like the people who ignore handrails <laughs> on like really high areas. They're like, nah, fuck this. You know, I'm going to stand on the other side because there's no way I'm going to fall to my death. And then they fucking do. You know why? Because they didn't think they could. So they're more likely to test those waters because they think that they're above it. The fact is, is that most people who fall victims of cults are not stupid people. They're not poor. They're just ignorant. They're, they're ignorant to the fact that someone could be smarter than them to take advantage of them. Um, and so when you, look at, when you look at cults and you look at these victims, and that's what I consider them are victims, it's not that they're stupid people. It's not that they're dumb. These are usually intelligent people. They just happen to have somebody coming along in their life at the right moment of vulnerability to give them and say all the things they need to hear and say at that moment. And then it becomes very easy for them to get washed away and become victims of cults. And then the real tragedy is that how most cults operate is you have a hierarchy. You have the guy in charge, you have the generals underneath him, and then you have all the rest. Well, with the hierarchy, typically what happens is they try to do a few things that are very standard. Isolate you from everyone else in your life, right? Which is very common. But next thing you know, like for instance, in martial arts, for instance, you might start a martial arts class. And then next thing you know, they go, hey, wouldn't you, would you like to come assist for our kids' classes? Well, now, rather than being there for an hour, hour and a half for the, your own class, now you're there for an extra three, maybe even four hours. And then next thing you know, they're like, hey, we have this thing going on this weekend. You should come. Hey, this is Steve. You should be introduced to Steve. Now this is your friends. This is your social circle. This is your mentor. And then whenever something crazy comes up, you have to make a decision. Do I get rid of all my friends? all my social interactions, all my mentorship to call this person a fraud, someone who I respect, or do I keep going down that road and get to keep my friends and keep my social circle, keep my hobby and keep my mentor? So it's not as easy as people think. It's very difficult once someone gets into a cult to get out of it. I, I hear everything you're saying, but I'm just thinking about myself and my past life, past experiences. And I I just, I think I'd be wise to any tricks that someone tries to use. To, uh, all right, so hold on. You're going to get, you're going to get, so, uh, are you going to I, do I actually, thing? you know, what's funny is I actually, I, I promise you, I could fool you. Okay, I've seen you do this. Do you want to go do it? I, I promise you I could fool you. All right, so first I'll give you, I'll give you an example of times you've already been fooled. Right. And then I'll give you an example of how easy it is to fool people. So, for instance, have you ever been to a grocery store? Yeah. Yes. All right. Cool. What do you buy? Just curious. Uh, well, if I, what I need, basically, uh, water, milk, bread, some food or some lunch or some, some junk food, whatever it may be. All right. Cool. So, you know, that that is set up a very specific way. Right. So I'll, I'll ask you, do you ever go down the aisles of a, of a grocery store? Of course, yes. of course, right? Of course you do. Yeah. Um, you do know that those are the things that are most likely bad for you, correct? 
Yes, yes. But yeah, you know yeah. it's bad for you. You know it's not good for you, but you do it anyway, right? Yes, he just put, look, food, the way it is, food and drink, people eat what they like and drink what they want because of the exactly. taste. Exactly, but yeah. that's an example. You already know something's bad for you. It's not good for you, and you do it anyway. So here's another example, right? When you go to the checkout line, right, what's usually at the checkout line? Uh, just where you're Sweet. paying exactly confectionery and uh yeah there's there's drinks and there's candy and stuff like that have you ever bought any of that rarely ever yeah. would i but okay for me david but for myself if there's something i already need it's something i already got gotten from the main hot core of the store yeah Nothing but as you said mate you have before correct yeah i have so, yeah exactly so i have a question do you think that was your idea no, it's an impulse buy. So I work at retail, so I know the, the setup. I know why it's done. If you'd ever do bought anything from that little area, it was because someone smarter than us in marketing realized that when you walk around the store, you're typically hungry, and it's so much easier for you to reach up and grab the soda, grab the candy bar, grab the quick item, and obviously it'd be cheaper inside the store. We think that's our idea. That wasn't our idea to buy those products. That was another person's idea who was smarter than us at marketing who realized that if you walk around a store buying food and around food, that you might build up a quick tolerance for wanting something quick and easy to get. And then you might pick up something there. So that's just one example. And you might not think that that's true, but marketing is a form of brainwashing. It is. So if you've ever bought anything from that little area, someone smarter than you did that. It wasn't your idea. You think it is, right? But it's not. Because if you would have bought that $3 soda right there at the store, you could have gone inside the store and bought the case for the same amount of money and got more. So that would have made way more sense. But someone smarter than us took advantage of us. But I'll try this with you real fast. All right. So let's say, hypothetically, you're a martial arts student and you're about to walk into my door. All right. So let's play a little role playing and let's just see how it goes. Okay. So let's talk about a few things up front before we do it. First, martial arts schools do not cold call. We don't. That's not how martial arts schools operate. Martial arts schools don't just randomly start calling people in out of the blue, offering them classes. It never happens that way. So to start, you already have an interest in martial arts. That is your goal because you called us, not the other way around. Second, you made the decision to do whatever it was you were going to do and then come into the class. You didn't have to. But we've already talked on the phone. And if it was me, we probably talked on the phone at least three times before you ever walked in my door. But what I want to do is I just want to just do a few things real fast. And I just I want you to come in as if you were a part of my school. This is your first class. Would you be willing to do that? Ike, do you want to do it or do you want me to do it? Oh, OK, let me. <laughs> right, cool. OK, we'll see. Okay. We'll see. Can he get you? All right. Well, oh. and, and the thing is, is like, it's just, we'll just have a conversation. But at the same time, just remember the base. The base is I didn't call you. You called me. You came into the school because you're looking for a product, not the other way around. I'm not trying to sell you on anything. You've already been sold. Now you're just trying to sample the product. It's kind of like if you go to like a, uh, um, let's say like a Sam's Club or one of those bulk buy kind of places, those bulk buy stores, and you walk in, they have those people giving out free samples, Right. The selling is you walking up, picking up that free sample. Once you, once you picked it up, you're trying it, and now you're eating it. Now, whether or not you buy it or not will all depend on the value of the product to you. But someone convinced you to pick that up. <laughs> someone was like, yo, here this is. And even if they just set up the store 
and set up the kiosk and said, here's free samples. If you walked up, if they didn't set up that store, you wouldn't be picking that food up. So let's go ahead and walk through this real fast. So let's say you're walking into my, my studio, all right? And we've already established that you're going to be there because if I'm running a school, I'm going to make sure that we've scheduled you. But anyway, uh, let's let's start. So you walk in the door. Hey, man, how's it going? Uh, great. Oh, I, I hope I'm so. Great. I'm fine. <laughs> what makes you want to come in today? Uh, well, seeing your self-defense classes and also I've, I'm someone who in the past had an issue of confidence and d- defending myself. I want to get into altercations that weren't necessarily altercations that I started. Uh, so, yeah, I'd like to get um, some classes and some help on how to, um, you know, properly defend myself in a physical situation. Yeah, for sure. I can understand that. Have you had any altercations recently? No, it was a long, long, long while ago. But um, with the way things are now, uh, especially with all this woke culture, um, you just want to be ready because you just never know. Yeah, well, you're not wrong. Uh, How long have you been thinking about doing something like this? A long, long, long time. (laughs) Just um, gathering the confidence uh, to actually walk in and not feel embarrassed to say what I've just, just said to you. Yeah, I can understand that, man. I mean, it's it's difficult because you're already coming into a situation where it might be a little tense. So I completely get that. And we'll try to make sure you're at ease. I'm assuming you have like the support of your family to do this, right? Not everyone, but so uh, this is something I'd like to do for myself. All right, cool. So you've made the decision. All right, uh, that's awesome. Now, let's say hypothetically that you enjoy class, right? And this is something that you like. Here's our schedule. All right. We, most people train about two to three times a week, but it's completely up to you. What days are you going to be able to come in if this is something you decide you like? Mm, well, that would depend on the time uh, because I work in the afternoons. So from late afternoon until the uh, mid evenings. So preferably the late evenings or even the mornings or the early afternoons. Oh, awesome. So around this time would still work for you. Yes, this time would still be okay. Okay, cool. Well, here's our schedule around how many times a week do you think you'd be able to make it? Because I'm a beginner, I'd like to really get into it. Uh, probably Monday to Friday. Damn. All right. Yeah. I like the, I mean, I'll let you know when you first start, you know, you might want to ease into it. You might be a little sore if this is something new to you, if the exercise is new, but Hey man, that's awesome. I like that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of give you a tour of the facility. I'll show you around. I'm going to need you to sign some paperwork as well. Um, so that way you can kind of get a handle on what's going on. Um, are you coming from home or work by the way? I'm coming from home. Okay. That's cool. That's cool. All right. Well, after this is over, what I want you to do is I just want you to meet me back over here. Um, and then what we're going to do is I'll go over the prices with you. Um, and then I'm going to introduce you to one of the members of the class. So I'll have you fill this out. That'll be your partner for today. And they're going to work with you. So that way you can kind of have an experienced eye kind of helping you out and kind of going at your pace that you're comfortable with. All right. Okay. All right, cool. Do you know what I just did? You just made, well, you sold me something but you also made me feel very somewhat at ease and comfortable not so you took away the uh the anxiety and the um the nervousness Mm. so i'll I'll cover it like in detail uh the first rule of sales is no like trust someone has to know you to like you they have to like you to trust you they have to trust you to buy anything from you so if anybody ever does hard sales it never fucking works 
Uh, because what that does is it makes people uncomfortable and that makes them not like you. And if they don't like you, they don't trust you. If they don't trust you, they're not going to buy anything from you. So having a conversation, one, is important to me because I need to know what your goals are as a good instructor. I also, whenever you fill out your paperwork, which is a minor detail, obviously, because we're on the fly, but when you fill out the paperwork, there's typically a section there as well to talk about any previous injuries that you might have, which is not only important to my insurance company, but it's also important to me as a good instructor to make sure that I, you don't get injured or hurt or exacerbate an injury. Technically, what we just did, the way that I just did it, my sales percentages are 75%. 75% of the people who walk through the door who do exactly what I just did to you will sign up. Have you noticed you haven't even taken the class yet? So I want to cover a couple of things. Um, let's talk about the five whys or the, um, the five objections. The five objections in sales are very simple. They're this, the five objections in sales for gyms and anything physical anyway. Um, I don't have the time. I don't have the money. I have to think about it. I have to talk to my spouse. It's too far away. Most people don't say the word no because it's very confrontational and people hate confrontation. So rather than doing that, they'll give you the same old, same old. Hey, man, I got to talk to my wife about it and see what she has to say. I got to think about it. Uh, it's too far away. They'll say shit like that, right? So why can't you tell me you don't have the time? Myself, uh Oh, excuse me, give you, uh, yeah, like distance. Uh, sometimes I could have other no. commitments. Well, you can't tell me you personally now, when we go to, when I go to sell you, you cannot tell me you don't have time because you already told me you'd be available during the class times Monday through Friday. So you oh, can yes. no longer use that as an excuse. And oh, it was very casual. Way. Yeah. Um, the next thing, why can't you tell me it's too far away? What? Well, if because, he went. because you just told me you just came from your house. Yeah. yeah it, doesn't make, conversation. it doesn't make sense to be around the other side of town, wherever you may be, and just sign up for, sign up for a class, something like this. We're going People to still do it all the time. That's why you got to get yeah. rid of that objection. Because now, because that could be one more excuse you can make, right? Yeah, yeah. You can say, ah, it's a little far away. You know, I was able to make it this one time, but, you know, I don't know if I could commit to coming here all the time. Do you have something closer to my house? People say that shit all the time. Um, that's why it's one of the five objections. Why can't you tell me you have to think about it? Well, this one I must know. Because you told me you've been thinking about it for a very long time. Yes. Yeah. Why can't you tell me you have to ask your spouse? Well, because I've been thinking about this for a long time. And obviously, obviously, if, I, if it's something that's been masquerading in my mind for all of that while, all of that time, um, clearly I must have had this conversation with someone who is intimately close to me. Exactly. But you also already told me verbatim that you're not doing this for anyone else. You're doing it for yourself. So you don't need to ask permission. Now, the right. last thing is money. It's always the last thing, right? How do I get rid of the money? Well, first of all, we would have had to set this up before and after and during. So usually how that conversation will go is, like I said, there are no cold calls. So we would have had a conversation before this to set up your trial class. And I also would have called you back to make sure to confirm that you would have been in today. So that means we would have been on the phone at least twice um, before now. And there's something called pre-framing. Pre-framing is when you discuss pricing with somebody in a casual manner, but you let them know that this will cost you money. 
So before you come in, what that conversation would be like is, hey, I'm glad you're all set up. Just letting you know, don't forget to bring a change of clothes. So that way you're not all sweating when you leave. Make sure you're bringing some water. Oh, also make sure you bring a form of payment. So that way you can take advantage of our first day special. And my goal with money is to make it cheaper to sign up today than it will be any other day. And you do this with a lot of other tricks, right? You do this with registration fees that don't exist. For instance, I could say, hey, man, normally it's a $200 registration fee. I'll waive that for you today. Normally it's $100 a month. It'll only be 75 if you sign up today. So basically I make it so that way, normally the price would be so much more than whenever you sign up, it's honestly cheaper. Now, statistically, numbers don't lie. If we would have gone through that conversation, you have yet to actually take a class and you're 75% more likely to actually sign up for class. That is how it's done. So when you see people like this and you think you couldn't be taken advantage of, you just actually checked off every one of the lists that I needed statistically to sign you up and you haven't even taken class yet. So um, something to think about is that the people who are most likely to fall into a cult are the ones who don't feel they can fall into a cult. Because again, they're not educated in how cults operate and work. It's not just like somebody's a smooth talker. This has already been set up for years and years and years, decades, even hundreds and thousands of years. Anytime someone's been able to talk somebody into doing something that they didn't necessarily think was the thing they really wanted to do, but then all of a sudden they get the idea. They're like, man, this will actually be really good for me. That might not have been your idea. You might think it was your idea, but a good talker will sell you. And so that's what we just did. That is quite impressive because I actually seen you because you spoke to one of our one of our friends, Emmanuel, at the Prosper, Prospect podcast. And I seen you do that. That's why I would I, I would want to see you do it on night because obviously I knew exactly what was coming. Mm. Uh, but no, it is surprising how, like you said, if you make that call, you're 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 literally giving yourself to someone to be sold. Basically, you're giving it to be sold. Well, you already made the decision to buy. So like, it's, it's not like anything else, right? For instance, if you go to like a used car place, right? There's, there's thousands of cars on the lot, right? That, that means there are thousands of different products you could be sold on. And so typically how you would sell a car isn't the same way how you would sell a gym membership. Because with a gym membership, you're only selling one product. Um, but when you're selling something like a car, you're selling thousands of products. And you're usually, there's, car lots everywhere, like here, at least here in the States. And so, but with martial arts, I mean, there might only be one jujitsu class in your town. There might be only one judo instructor in your town. So if you're looking for, let's say judo specifically, like you might talk yourself into it, even if it's a little off because that's the art that you heard, or I heard jujitsu was really good for self-defense and this happens to be the only guy. So I'm so lucky that I get to have that guy. And then it's even easier for that person to take advantage of you then because he's the only shop on the block and you've heard so many good things from other people. And so it's it's a very interesting thing in terms of like how the brainwashing works. You don't start off with the no touch voodoo knockout stuff on your first day. Like what happens is you're indoctrinated over a longer period of time slowly before that pops up. Because again, like we said, I need... I need you to have that moment where it's harder for you to go against than it is to go with. And that is established over a long period of time of basically um, grooming you, um, getting you to that point where that person, everything that they say, you're like, oh, my God, this is this is the guy I'm telling you, um, kind of like spreading a religion in a way. Oh. 
uh, you seem to know this sort of mentality, this cult thing of how to get people on board inside out. It's weird, man. Like, well, the funny thing is, is like I took this course when I was teaching for the Catholic diocese. And so whenever you go teach at like a private school that's run by the Catholic church, you actually have to take something called protecting God's children, which is basically a course on how to understand how to interact with children appropriately, which I would imagine if you're the Catholic church and you've had such a bad track record in the media with things like that, that, you know, that's a course that they would have to offer. So I took these courses and I had to every year in order to teach at the Catholic school. And one thing that I noticed in those courses are the similarities between a good instructor and someone who has your, your best interest in mind and a con artist or a pedophile are almost identical. It's scary. So like, you know, if you were to name off a pedophile, you'd be like, oh, you know, he's, he or she, you know, is good with kids. It's like no shit because that's how they groom children. But you would say the same thing about a good teacher. Oh, he's so good with kids. Like, you, it's sad that you could say those same things about the pedophile and the instructor, right? But it's true. And then that list goes on and on and on. But at the end of the day, someone who likes working with kids will seek out a job working with kids. A pedophile will do the same thing. And so it's really scary how this works. And I've been doing martial arts business consulting now for about nine years or so. And one thing that I can tell you is all the tricks that I just did to you you could do with good intent. Like if I see somebody, for instance, let's say you came in and you're overweight um, and you came in and your doctor told you, hey, if you don't lose 50 pounds, you can't get this gastric bypass surgery. And so, but you've spent your entire life at that point ignoring everything you should be doing. You haven't been eating correctly. You haven't been exercising or you have some kind of serious medical issue that needs to be addressed, right? So, but most of the time it's because of that, lack of real true self-control. And so by the time you get to the gym as a good instructor, I have to get around possibly 20, 30 years of your own mentality saying, I should eat this. I should not exercise. I should sit on the couch. I should watch TV. And I have to do that in a matter of an hour, (laughs) but you've been, you know, conditioned yourself for decades to be this type of person who doesn't take care of themselves. So a good coach sometimes has to do that. So I can help you lose that weight. So you don't fucking die. And if you watch any of these exercise shows, you'll notice most of those coaches don't fuck around. They're like, this is what we're doing now. This is how we're going to do it. I'm not asking you, I'm telling you, because that's a good coach, especially when it comes to your health and you not dying. You know, if it was just a regular person who's working out, you don't need to be as forceful. That person's already doing their thing. But if somebody has spent decades eating themselves to death as a coach. You have to get around that. You have to get in their fucking head and convince them to change their entire life around so they don't die. And so people think that the coaching only happens on the mat. It doesn't. The coaching happens off the mat as well. And the good coach can usually get you to sign up because they really have your best interest in mind. They really do want you to get healthy. They really do want you to be good. They really do want you to represent their school in the best way possible. But a con artist can do the same thing. The only difference is their intent. One person is looking out for you. The other is just looking out for themselves. So what you were saying about the, uh, and yes, you sold me a very uh, <laughs> good product there and how you can apply that to when you're t- trying to help someone lose a large amount of unhealthy weight. I mean, not only that, but like in, in your day to day, I mean, I think that what happens is when we look at 
the content that I'm putting out, people automatically think martial arts because obviously it's martial arts, right? Um, if you look at it and think in a different way, it becomes much more easy to understand. Think of it like a cult. Um, don't think of it like martial arts. They're just a cult that happened to be wearing martial arts uniforms. And then it becomes much easier to understand how people fall victim. You know, it's a, it, you know, I think that it's probably one of the easier ways to create a cult, to be honest, just from what I've seen. Because when someone walks into, let's say, a mechanic shop and you're trying to get your car fixed, you don't put your mechanic on some kind of a pedestal, you know, like you don't put them as like a holier than thou figure. It's just a mechanic. Same thing with your barber. You guys, just a barber. Same thing with pretty much any other job except for martial arts, which is strange. When you walk into a martial arts studio, the very first thing you do is you think honor, integrity, respect self-defense and you automatically are giving this person control of you in some sort of way because you have to because in order for you to be a good student you have to assume that the person who's learned you're learning from knows more than you um, and so you're automatically giving this person authority over you in one way or another at least at the very least agreeing to say you know more about this subject than i do i'll learn from you and so but that is a way of releasing control of yourself and for that little bit of time this person's in charge of you. And if they say some things that might be a little off, but you still assume that they have your best interests in mind, you might be able to shrug off little things here and there for the greater good of what you think is going to help you. Um, it's very, very strange, but it's true. We, we assume because someone has a black belt that they have all of these virtuous characteristics when they're just people. They're just people. They fuck up. They make mistakes, uh, you know, just like anybody else. And what happens with the cult leader is the cult leader will prey on those things. They'll prey on the fact that you have to call me sensei. You have to call me professor. You have to call me master. I have to be that guy all the time. When like good instructors that I've known hate that shit. <laughs> like when you're outside of the, the studio, like they don't want you to fucking call him professor or sensei or guru. It's fucking Steve. Like Bill Wallace is probably one of like the best kickboxers I've ever met in my life. You know, Bill Superfoot Wallace, he's a legendary kickboxer. If you ever meet that, that dude, he wants to be called Bill, <laughs> like, you know, and like even how old he is, you know, he just he, he's kind of a little bit beyond that ego when it comes to who he is. Now, now I'm sure that as like any other fighter, the ego gets turned on and off. Because when you fight another human being, you kind of have to turn the ego on. <laughs> I can't be like, well, he might beat me. That's like a terrible thought to have in a fight. But you know, turning it off is the important part. Um, getting back to um, the, uh, the exposing these fake mixed martial artists, I mean, or not, not fake mixed martial artists, but the MMA coaches and people involved in training and teaching the, uh, the skill. Do you think that the rise and popularity of social media has kind of prompted this sort of thing? Because I'm thinking if, there wasn't the ease of putting out this sort of stuff onto the internet, into the public domain for all to see. I mean, even outside of television, do you think we would have even seen anything like this? Because for me, I, I couldn't teach something that I, that I don't know. And, you know, if I, if, if I don't know this, I'm not going to um, pretend that I know it, that I know it. I'm going to admit to you that I don't know it because if it's later found out that actually I've lied to you, I think that's going to be far worse and make you look, you know, far more, it's, it'll be a lot, it just won't make you look good at all. Well, I think in a way, yes, but there's also evidence, no. 
So like, and I'll explain, like, I do think I just did a video, by the way, on our YouTube channel about why TikTok is not a dojo. All right. And so like, you have these like fly by night martial arts instructors who will put up like a 30 second video um, of self-defense and they have no clue what they're doing, but they'll have like millions of followers. Like the guy that I I posted about, he has two point something million followers on TikTok. And I watched every one of his videos and I got to tell you, 90% of it is just made up. He just, he seemed to have watched a video online and tried to recreate it and recreated it poorly. He didn't do a rear naked choke properly, which is really hard to fuck up. <laughs> like it, you can watch <laughs> MMA and see how to do a rear naked choke. It's not that hard, but he messed that up. You know, he's messing up Americanas, Camoras. He just, does, he just looks at it and seems to just regurgitate it online without knowing what he's doing. And he gets millions of views. So in that sense are, you know, other things like, uh, Five Minute Crafts. Five Minute Crafts has tons of money. They could hire a legitimate martial arts instructor, but they seem to get like Susan from accounting to get on there and like teach this random garbage, like these things that would clearly not work. Um, And so in that sense, yes, I think that helps perpetuate bullshit. Because again, if you're following something, there's a little bit of trust there. And so you would assume that they brought in experts to help teach these things because people who watch five minute crafts are there and hope that these things are going to be useful. Um, And they would assume that that five minute crafts wouldn't just put out nonsense when unfortunately they do. But even bigger corporations like Tech Insider, they have a subsidiary called Business Insider. I'm sorry, Business Insider has a subsidiary called Tech Insider, and they hired this lady who like had no idea what she was doing. We did a video about that as well. And it's like, you could have afforded the real thing, but you chose not to. I don't get it. But yes, in that sense, I do think that you're correct. I do think the internet helps perpetuate bullshit. But the evidence on the other side is the bullshit would be perpetuated anyway, but in a more terrifying fashion. If you look at places like Indonesia. So Indonesia, which doesn't have like computers on every block, you know, it is very impoverished country. And when you look at what's going on in Indonesia, they have something called Tanaga Dalam. And Tanaga Dalam translated means inner power. And it's it's a little bit of religion and a little bit of martial arts kind of mixed in there. But I've seen like an eight-year-old slit his throat and kill himself because he believed that he couldn't die because of this Tanaga Dalam that these people are selling, which is a lie, obviously. But they sold the lie so well that this eight-year-old child thought that they couldn't be killed because of the, the sword across his neck. He didn't realize it was a magic trick, a parlor trick, and actually killed himself. Or a video of a crowd of hundreds of people watching a martial arts demonstration where teenage kids were lying down on their stomach um, all side by side. Then when the camera pans out, you can see like a ramp, a ramp that would typically be used for a car. Then when it zooms out even more, you see a truck. And then the truck goes up on the ramp and it lands on the first kid and kills him rolls over the second kid, then it stalls out and the guy's having a hard time getting the car started again. Um, And then the third kid backs out because he was smart, but then it runs over the other kids. Now, I'm assuming the other kids didn't get hurt because of the momentum, which I'm assuming was the goal of proving this Tanaga Dalam, but the first child died. Hundreds of people watched this thought that this kid would survive because of this inner power that was spread, but it wasn't spread through the internet like like we would assume it's spread word of mouth and culture um they also believe that they can't be burned by acid which is also a parlor trick they also believe that they can jump from tall buildings which is something you can look up online which is a martial arts test 
where you have to jump off this tall building and basically not get hurt because of your inner power. And then you'll get belt promoted. Um, throwing, throwing giant boulders at children, which is another thing that you can find that we've posted. All of those things fall under this Tanaga Delam bullshit, which is going to get people hurt and or killed, which I personally have seen. Um, and so when you look at stuff like that, you would, you would assume like, how does this spread? Well, it spreads very much like a religion. You know, these people are going from town to town and they're taking advantage of these impoverished people saying, hey, you might not have anything, but I can give you this power. I can give you this special ability. And um, that's only spread through word of mouth and seeing people in, in person and these people doing these parlor tricks. But these other people who are just ignorant to the fact that that's not a real thing get taken advantage of and or die. Um, it's a scary thing. David? Yeah. Yeah, no. everything. <laughs> yeah no that 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 is quite scary and it's 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 crazy to believe that uh i would have thought the opposite of like that in today today's day and age that people would be able to call out bullshit more because you would have heard the stories before i think joe rogan talked about one what was the guy's name Raphael? tory yeah and he he's in jail now for murder isn't he he he, he was a student of eddie bravo and it was all very mis mystique and he was went to he went to a, a forest to do a, a kumbate or something um, I'd heard the sort. See, those were the stories that I you thought you would have heard, you know, mythical kind of stories. But the fact that it's still going on today and that they are plastered on the internet, actually, it just boggles my mind. Because I watch some of your videos, and I'm like, there's there's one you have there. There's a guy, and I think he's in the security or a cop uniform. You ha- he does be on quite a lot, doesn't he, with the gun techniques? Yeah, that's uh Dale Brown from Detroit Dust Man or Detroit Threat Management Management. Um, Detroit Urban Survival Training is what Dust stands for. Um, but the funny, the funniest thing about Dale Brown is he gets called out by professional tactical firearms instructors. Um, I'm sponsored by a Navy SEAL run company like Killcliffe, the one of the companies that sponsors me. The top three guys in that company are Navy SEALs and they call him out on shit. Um, uh, Tim Kennedy has called him out. Uh, you know, uh, Michael Bisping has called him out. Henner Gracie, one of the nicest dudes in martial arts ever has laughed at this man. And when I'm seeing like these, he's got attention from these top quality martial artists who are telling him, you aren't doing this correctly. This is going to get people hurt. And rather than taking advantage of that, like any good martial artist would do and going, you know what, let's, since I have direct contact with some of the best in the world now, let me talk to them, bring them in for a seminar. And then I can learn how to do this better and put out better quality. But rather than that, he blocks all of them. I'm also blocked, by the way. And then he moves forward and he just doubles down on stupid. He did a video where a gun was pointing at his chest, almost right at his heart. And his video was how to disarm a gun after you've been shot. You know what's going to happen after you've been shot point blank in the chest? You're going to go, ah, ah, and bleed to death because you've been shot in the chest, stupid. Like, or he does these, like he does these videos and he puts them out there. And rather than listening to what these critics are saying and taking a little bit of it to heart, he just ignores it, you know? And what's really sad is now he, he also controls the narrative, by the way, by restricting all comments on his Instagram. So you cannot leave a comment on his Instagram on his YouTube. He deletes all negative comments. Anyone who says anything negative about him, he'll, uh, he does this thing where he'll block them. Uh, his newest thing is whenever people leave bad reviews, he says that the reason people are leaving bad reviews is from a racist organization. Like, dude, I've seen you get called out by literally every nationality and ethnicity ever. It's not a racist organization that's calling you out. 
it's people, trained people calling you out. And so that's like how he like defends it. It is the stupidest shit on the planet, but people buy it. He's basically a glorified security guard. It's the strangest thing. Like if his actual job is if you have a problem in Detroit, you call this company, they'll show up and wait for you until the police show up. That's what they do. That's it. That's it. They charge you a dollar a minute. <laughs> to just wait, just to just, just wait until the police get. Oh God, that that is all they do because they're not police officers. You know, the, it's a security company. It's an outsourced security company that will literally do nothing. They wait there for you, and like, there's a lot of contradicting information as well, which is really funny. Like, um, he he keeps re- he kept repeating that none of his people had ever been hurt. When to like today, literally today, one of his people admitted to getting shot while at a nightclub it's like i thought none of your people got hurt like i i have it like right here where'd he go oh here it is the dude like literally four hours ago this guy like dale brown admits none of my people have ever been seriously injured check out what this guy said hi i'm an original viper viper by the way was his security team what he would call that commander delta training Help save my life. And by the way, he meant Commander Dale. Dale is the guy who runs it. Um, and he calls himself Commander, which is also weird. Help save my life. I have a bullet hole. Would have hit my chest if I did not react. Instead, the bullet hit my side. And I still took out my assailant. Who was trying to kill me in a Detroit nightclub? Yes, I'm an original tactical advanced viper. Threat management teaching helps save my life. I'm living proof. Meanwhile, Dale Brown says none of his people have ever been seriously injured. It's bullshit. You got a guy like telling me right now he got <laughs> shot. Like, don't you think? Maybe. Just tossing it out there that if that training helped you, that good training might help you more. <laughs> you know, like maybe not put you in this situation. Oh, that's crazy. There was one thing I was interested about because I'd seen, well, there was a couple of things, but I don't know if we'll have the time. Uh, the hard training where you say it does it go from abuse to or is it hard training there was one video i watched it was quite disturbing actually where this guy had a kid and they were they were in the geese and he was literally slamming him with one arm uh onto the ground does do these people ever face any lawful implications for any of their actions or is it just seen as this is training or does does someone not view it as abuse it depends. So like, uh, I know the video you're talking about, which if I, I'm not exactly sure where, but I got, someone told me that it was like from the Congo or something like that, but it was like, um, you know, kind of like outdoor training environment where a grown man slamming kid. I remember that. Um, there was an incident that happened only a few months ago in Japan where an, an instructor had thrown a child down so many times that child went into a coma. Um, the child had multiple times during the class, by the way, his uncle was watching the whole thing, but multiple times during that class, the, instru- the child let the instructor know, I'm sick, I don't feel very well, the child vomited, the child said he had a headache, which are all signs of a concussion. Anyone who's ever done combat sports knows what that's like, and whenever you have an adult ignoring that, that's negligence. And then, of course, what happens months later is after that child was in a coma for months, he uh, eventually did pass away, which is extremely sad. Um, but that was completely unavoidable. The other thing that was an atrocity there was it was only the child's second class. Like, if, you, if you're doing 
judo, for instance, your goal should be learning how to break, fall, and fall properly for a while before you start getting tossed that much. If you're not falling properly, of course, these things are going to happen. You know, like that's the instructor's fault. And I do believe that the parents are taking legal action against the instructor. But at the same time, does legal action happen? Yeah, but it's a shame when these things are kind of ignored, mostly because there's no regulating body to the martial arts industry. You have, for instance, a guy like David Arnbeck. Um, I'm roasting everybody today. You have a guy like David Arnbeck, right? David Arnbeck molested a 15-year-old girl in his home. In his house, his own house, he molested a child, a 15-year-old girl who was staying the night for a sleepover with his daughter. He molested that girl. That girl went and told, obviously. He winds up going to jail, and he takes a plea deal. And the type of plea deal that he took basically exonerated him from any true responsibility. He's not put on a sex offender registry, and he still runs three martial arts schools today called Warriors Cove. He even made a website called davidarnbeck.com where he, in the website, admits to taking the plea deal. He admits to pleading guilty, but yet people still, with this information out there, still go to his school anyway. You know, it's Arnbeck, like, he said. David Arnbeck, yes. A A A A R N. I can find out real fast. It's A R N. Sorry, just taking a second. David Arnbeck. A R N E B E C K. He has a website called David Arnbeck.com. Um, you know, there's you know, the truth about martial arts.weebly.com did an entire expose about him. Hicks and Gracie Black Belt. Um, you know, he was a Hicks and Gracie black belt. Hicks and Gracie has now disowned him from the organization, but yet he still has photos of him and Hicks up on his website. Um, he's on Instagram. Can't see his Instagram account. Um, I don't know what his Instagram is. If you Google uh, it, he pops up uh, all over. Yeah. But that's crazy that he can, that he still has these schools. And does this, does the sexual abuse happen much within these, these cults? Um, so I do what I call McDojo news, which every week, uh, once or, you know, I try to get it done every week, but I don't really have the time all the time. But whenever a news story will pop up, I try to scour the Internet for stuff like that, like misconduct and misdealings in the inter- in the martial arts industry. And probably at least once a week, if not twice a week, someone's been convicted of molesting a child in the martial arts industry. Um, it's really sad. I, I even did a video on our YouTube channel, which is an hour and a half long of nothing but news reports of martial arts instructors who molested kids. Um, it's an hour and a half long video. Like there shouldn't be that many, um, you know, and it's something that's really sad, but it happens far too often. Um, it's, it's terrifying how many of these people really are out there. Um, but you know, like we said, a good instructor will seek out jobs with children. A good teacher of children will do that, but also uh, molesters will do the same. That, That leads me to believe with what you were saying earlier as well that people when they're under this under under um the influence of the coach that there's possibly loads and loads more that we're not hearing about as well oh yeah for sure convicted. for sure and like it it's just a matter of time until they get caught like one dude i think it was only a few weeks ago again it's on our youtube channel we uh we did a video about a guy who literally bought these camera picture frames off of a i guess Amazon or whatever, where the hell you buy camera picture frames, he bought them online. Then he put them in the dressing rooms 
And it was funny because like he got busted by like, I think it was like a 16 year old girl. Like she went in to go get changed and like she changed and then came back out. And then the instructor asked her to change again, which she found was weird. So she went back in there and she noticed these brand new pictures that he had just put out. And she saw the camera in the picture frame and immediately called him on it. He takes them. He tries to throw them away. The police show up. They wind up seeing them because they're still in the garbage. And then like he gets busted. Like it, it, it's astonishing how many of these psychos are out there. They're everywhere. It's weird. Hold up. P- camera picture frames. He said he bought them from Amazon or somewhere like that. Yeah, he who, bought who, uh, picture fr- picture frames who, that had put, cameras on them. But who or why would you even make something like? Why would you sell? Who makes that? Why would you make it? Well, I mean, I would assume that they the people who made it like there are spy equipment, you know, for like nanny cams and making sure that people oh, don't okay, steal yeah. shit out of your house. But you know, obviously those could be taken advantage of and used by bad people yeah. as well. So I mean, it is it was quite obvious what he did. And if a child could catch him, you know, obviously that, and the list goes on. There's a, there's a thing called pizza dojo or dojo pizza, stojo pizza, sorry. And feel free to look this story up as well. But dojo pizza was a school in which it was a pizzeria slash dojo. And this dude had opened it up to help underprivileged children in the area. He would feed them obviously because he had a pizzeria there. And he would also teach them martial arts classes. People thought this dude was a saint. But meanwhile, he's actually convincing all the parents to allow him to adopt some of these underprivileged children, saying that he will give them a better life while they're staying at his facility. So they did. They signed over the parental rights to him. Uh, I think it was maybe seven to 11 in total off the top of my head. Um, Meanwhile, every time he would do this, he was molesting every one of those children. And the only reason he even got caught was because someone went into the martial arts school and saw that there was some damage to some of the walls and called uh, protective services, actually, I'm sorry, called the, the city, I guess, for um, uh, problems with the building. Um, so they went in specifically to check out the problems in the building. Then they started finding weird shit, like his, his room was destroyed. I mean, holes in all the walls, not healthy living conditions for children. Everything was dirty. He had loaded firearms around the facility, just laying about in, in hands reach of children. And then, of course, because of that, they wound up catching him because they wound up finding out that he was molesting killed children, stole, like took his laptop, took all of his computer equipment, and then found hours upon hours upon hours of footage of him molesting kids. Um, you know, it's it's a drop in the bucket, unfortunately. And the stuff that I call out, I try to call out in a funny way, but it's hard when, with shit like that. Like, how do you say that in a funny way? How do you like, how do you get people to think that that's humorous? And so- over the years, I've noticed people have like a very specific tone when they join the page. When they first start the page, they start following the page because they think it's funny. They enjoy it. They'll laugh. Then after they see that the stuff doesn't stop, then they go, man, this is a little frustrating. And then eventually it turns into them being pissed off that these people exist. Yeah, well, it does. It definitely does for me, especially with the, the, last, the last part. Like I said, I would have joined the page for the exact same reason as you said. I seen it and I seen it. I thought it's funny. It's like, how do people believe this? And as you go on, you're just like, how are these people getting away with it? And then the darker stuff is, is different. Obviously, that's a little bit darker, but it's just with the the cult kind of leaders, just like I just I just can't believe that at this day and age, people they still get away with it, especially with it's how sad. much exposure. It's so sad. Because like the reason I like to do the reason I like my job, which actually like 
you know, obviously I have my days where I have to sit down and I have to process some shit that I've seen or heard. And it's all negative. It's 24 hours because the internet never stops of getting news stories, articles, videos of the worst, most sick shit I've ever seen in my life. Like uh, there was a martial arts studio in Bali where a group of teenage martial arts students gang raped a woman and someone sent me the video. Like I'm, I think it was like 11 o'clock at night or something like that. I'm sitting on my couch. I'm doing absolutely nothing. And all of a sudden I get a video from another martial arts page, which does something similar to what I do, but in Indonesia. And so he'll send me stuff and we'll share stuff and try to call out these people as well. But he sent me this video. He goes, you need to check this out. And it was of a gang rape. And I just get sent this randomly with no context. And I was like, dude, don't send me that shit without letting me know what it is. Like I was not prepared to see it. And I mean, you know, I put that out there and I start calling this out. And then all of a sudden the mom of the son contacts me and she's like, my boy would never do anything like that. I was like, I saw the video. They were putting kitchen utensils inside this woman. It was some of the sickest shit I've ever seen in my fucking life. And it was real. They're laughing while they raped this fucking woman. And it's like, you think that your boy is good. Like, let's just be fucking honest here. And then come to find out over there, it's extremely corrupt. But as I start sharing this information around and people start calling this kid out, I get contacted by someone else who was just simply in a picture with him. Another person who was at the martial arts school who just happened to be in a photo and she's being harassed by the masses because she was in a picture one time with this kid. And that's not the point of the page. I don't want people unnecessarily harassed. But then on top of that, someone confronted this kid outside some kind of an ice cream parlor at a bench where he admits not once but twice to it being rape and non-consensual, that she was passed out. He admits it twice in that conversation. Meanwhile, I find out that the parents had gone to the police and actually took him to the police as well. And you think, oh, that's awesome. And come to find out it's so fucking corrupt over there. And the mom was so rich, they just paid the police off. And as sad as that fucking is, some countries are just simply like that. You know, and it's documented which, that they went. Did you mention Bali. which country? Oh, right. That was Indonesia. Okay. But um, it's, it's mind blowing the shit that I see. Like, I saw somebody get stabbed to death over 40 times. They were stabbed and the guy just took it. It was, it was the strangest thing. You would imagine if someone gets stabbed in the skull and the person has to literally put their foot on the person's skull to pull the knife off that that person would be dead. Apparently fucking not, because that dude kept getting stabbed and kept getting back up. It was, again, it's some of the sickest shit. And obviously I don't post that on our Instagram page. Any of that shit would get taken down. But the stuff that I post is a drop in the bucket to where this shit actually leads. That You know, we can laugh and we can joke and we can make fun of these fucking people, but I've seen where it goes. You think it stops at somebody just pretending to knock someone out with their mind? No. If you can convince people of that shit, you can convince them of drinking the Kool-Aid. You can convince them of doing things like Charles Manson convinced people of doing, which was murder people. You can convince people of that shit. You can make them do anything. And so that's why I try to fight it. The martial arts industry is so beautiful to me. Martial arts itself is beautiful. No one gives a fuck when you're on the mat about anything else except for that moment. No one cares about who you are, where you're from, what your background is, your ethnicity, your sex, your height, your weight. No one gives a fuck about any of that at that moment. It's, are you good at what you do? Can you help me get better at what I'm doing? And everyone's unified. Everyone grows and they become better people because of it. But people take advantage of that shit. It makes me fucking sick to my stomach. And so that's why I do my job because I want martial arts to stay legitimate. 
I want martial arts to stay pure. I want it to be a beautiful thing where people can go and learn how to protect themselves and better themselves without having to worry about some fucking con artist raping them, taking them for all their money or taking advantage of them in some way. Um, it's, it's the only reason I do this fucking job. I just really love martial arts and I hate seeing these fucks get away with it. What's McDojo? We are going to have to, uh, we're def- definitely going to have to invite you on again. Definitely, because you have so much knowledge of this industry, the good side and the bad side. <laughs> You're very, very knowledgeable, like an open book. I, I try to just be as honest with people as I can and I try to share as much as I've learned. And I'm always learning. I don't know everything about everything, but I know a lot about this subject. Mm. You know, you ask me anything about music, I don't fucking know. You ask me anything about mechanics, I don't fucking know. You ask me about hair, I don't know. But if you ask me about this, I, I do know quite a bit and I hope it helps some people. No, it has. I think Ike, you have to get on to work now, don't you? Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, some of the stories that I, that I heard today, I haven't heard before. And I do watch your stuff. I haven't caught all of it, but I'm going to go back and, and look at some of the videos or some of the stories you were telling me about there. I'll go back and have a look now. But thank you for coming. Yeah, man. Thank you guys for having me. I love talking shop. Perfect. Uh, thank you.